We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Yo, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Eight Black Hands Podcast. Uh, I know for some, this is a very special holiday and folks are celebrating with their families and barbecuing and having drinks. Uh, but don't say these hands don't be working uh, because <laughs> one, I don't know if we recognize that day. But two, we wanted to be here with you and with our people. And three, when we finally do take a damn vacation, y'all better not say nothing. Not uh, a thing. Not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just go around the horn real quick and i'm gonna just start immediately to my top right with sharif uh how you been how's your week going and uh tell these people what's good hey man doing well good to see y'all excited about our guest uh this evening yeah i was you know got to hang out with family and friends man did a little garden work you know and uh chased some chickens up the street and <laughs> had a neighbor come by like yo the chicken is down the street i was like oh here we go so <laughs> You and your farmer John life, man. That's what's up. Chris Stewart, how how is your week, man? How are you, brother? <laughs> I'm good, man. Going into a, a, a week of rest. So um, so you catch me at a good time. This last week has been a little bit stressful, but the next week I'm gonna be out of work for a while. Vacation. So. All right, go for Yeah, you. I'm gonna take a little bit of mini, mini vacation. So it's gonna All be that's good. good to hear. That's what's up. Yeah. Ray, how about right, yourself, man. brother? How you doing? It's good to see you. Man, good to see you as well. I'm blessed. You know, we're here tonight representing Hardham Link uh, Charter School. Shout out to Steve for sending me some gear. Um, yeah, man, we're here. We out here. That's beautiful, man. Well, I'm doing well, man. I'm, I'm really happy about our guest as well. And uh, many of you will know her. Some of you will not. But she is an amazing person and an even better guest. We have Jay Artist Wright. And Jay is the new, I'm very happy to say this as a friend, uh, she is the new executive director of Parent Revolution, which is an organization that's dedicated to building powerful parent voices to advocate for education. She has over 15 years of experience in policy, organizing, advocacy, and education. And she is an accomplished leader and advocate who has worked with some of the nation's largest school districts. Uh, on top of that, she's also friends to many of us. We also did a show talking about parents and parent power. Um, ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, our friend, friend of the show, and just a, a, a everyday badass, man, Jay Artist Wright. Hey, hey. How are you doing? Hey, guys. How are you? Ooh, welcome. <laughs> welcome. One, you should have told us we all had to wear our nice glasses today. That was not fair of you, but it's okay. It's fine. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I just... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Jay. Jay, stun on him. Stun on him. Right. And I got red, white, and blue. I'm trying to be a little festive, just a little bit. So. <laughs> hey, yo, it, we love it. And Jay, before we jump into the topic tonight, which is around helping parents navigate returning back to school in the fall, why don't you just tell folks who you are? Uh, I'm sure I didn't do your intro real, real justice. Let these people get a taste of uh, of who Ms. J. Artist Wright is and, and, and her love for advocacy for our community. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so I'm J. Artist Wright. Uh, first and foremost, I'm a mother of three. So happy to say my son just graduated from high school, uh, going off to college. So I have a high school graduate. Happy and mm. that Congrats. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but as you mentioned in my bio, I have been 
been uh, in policy and advocacy for over 15 years. In the last 10 years or so, I went from doing policy and politics to grassroots organizing. And one of the main reasons why is because, um, you know, first, I'm, I'm a first generation college graduate and I was working in the private sector lobbying and I really got agitated by doing work that really I wasn't driven by within my values. And more importantly, I was sitting in these office spaces and in these hearings and I was seeing all these decisions being made by people who look like me, but the people who uh, look like me weren't the ones making the decisions. And so I did a career shift and decided to go into grassroots organizing and really took my time to find out what was happening in our communities, uh, started educating parents specifically on how they can get involved in their communities um, from the lens of, of politics and policy, because that's where stuff happens. Um, the legislation that's happening all across this country happens because people make votes on it. And more times than not, the reason why we don't have, uh, aren't in those conversations is because we just don't have access. So I, me having access, I wanted to go back to my community and make sure that people understood what was happening to them and how they can be a part of it. So um, I'm happy that after a very serendipitous journey, I am now in a position that I love as executive director of Parent Revolution. And I'm just excited to be here with you guys tonight. And Jay, why don't we just stay right there around uh, Parent Revolution? Uh, you and I have done a lot of work together before you got there. What is Parent Revolution? Why is it important? And what's the impact that it's going to have on our communities? Yeah, Charles, it was almost prophetic, right? We did that this, that whole segment on parents stop asking permission um, when I was still working for the Charter Schools Association. And, and I had no idea this would uh, rest in my lap, but it was so perfect and so on time because Parent Revolution is basically what, is, what it says it is. It's revolutionary. Um, it has been around for several years now. It started in Los Angeles as a... Uh, started with a group of parents that challenged the school systems with something called the parent trigger law, which basically was legislation that said that if you weren't happy with the school that your child was in and 51% of you decided that you wanted to do something different, you had the power to make a change within your school, which is really powerful because not often do we see parents in those positions. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was the legacy of parent revolution. Most recently, um, what I've now inherited is a group of powerful parents who have been actively engaged at the school board level, um, who weekly meet and basically, um, in the words of organizing, we went from teaching them to them teaching us and telling us what they want to see within their schools and within their communities. And so we've got a really strong collective group of parents who are really active um, politically. Um, they are organizing on a regular basis. And right now we even have a legal fight with the district because um, we're really exercising what parent power means. And that, that's what it's about. It's really about um, giving yourself the power to make decisions on behalf of your child and on behalf of your well-being for you and your family. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm gonna bring the guys in. Uh, but real quick, why don't you tell us how can people across the country, whether they in L.A. or outside of uh, outside of L.A., how can they be supportive? What do you need from our community so you feel, um, you know, supported by your people in this work? You know, there's a lot that we need, but the most important thing that I'm going to name right off the bat is we cannot forget what 2020 was like for us as families and as parents, right? I think that, uh, you know, what I'm really agitated about in, in LA USD, um, Los Angeles Unified School District, is that there's this narrative that 
you know, we're just supposed to continue a business as usual. Yeah, COVID happened. Yeah, people got impacted by it. But you know what? No harm, no foul. Let's move on. And, you know, we can't do that. I, I am living in a situation with my organization where we will we, we refuse to let that be the narrative. And so what we need is for people to not forget what it was like. Um, just to give you an example, for LAUSD, Students in LAUSD lost 90 days of school instruction. They had 90 days less of school instruction than other school districts within their neighboring counterparts. 90 days. And so when you look at a child right now that is going you know, junior to senior year, um, a first generation child, for, for example, who now is struggling with trying to not only get through her senior year, but also be able to compete with other district and other students because she lost 90 days of instruction. Like we cannot forget that. And so one thing that I need is for people to remember that. Remember what that felt like. Remember what it felt like to be at home and know that teachers just weren't showing up to work but yet they were also still getting paid. Um, and remember that you had to, as a parent, make a decision to figure out whether you were gonna go to work and teach your child at home and what that whole dynamic felt like. Because here's the reality. We don't really know if that may happen again. You know, there's a Delta variant out there that this may be something that we have to do again. And so you know, I don't mean to, you know, be a, a pessimist about this, but the reality is, is that what I learned from 2020 and with COVID and with distance learning is that we have to show up for our children more than ever now, because if people decide to put their hands up and not care anymore, we're left fitting the bill for that. And so I really need parents to understand how important it is for you to not accept business as usual. I really need parents to understand how important it is for you to be actively engaged in every single step of what's happening in the school district that your child attends because they we've given too much power and too much agency to other people to make decisions for us. Wow. And right now people are deciding that, okay, you know what, it happened, but you know, we've got this recovery plan. We've got this reopening thing coming up and we're all good. Um, and I need people to support organizations like parent revolution. You know, I am a black woman an executive director in a nonprofit world and the education reform space where not too many of us are. And the reality is, is that, you know, funding is limited sometimes. And so I need people to amplify my voice as a black leader of a nonprofit education reform organization to let people know that I am just as capable of doing this work as my white male counterparts that were in this, were in this role before me. Um, so there's a lot there, but the biggest thing is that as family, as black and brown family members, um, we've got to realize that we've got to do this work for ourselves, y'all. Because, you know, the, the, the proof is already out there. Like, believe what you have seen. Believe what happened when your child got abandoned in LAUSD for 90 days or other folks where teachers just weren't showing up. And it was put on you to figure out what was going to happen for your child. Do not forget that and make sure you're showing up for your kids. Wow. Well, I'm about to bring the fellas in. And one thing that I just want to preface, and I think you touched on it at the end, Jay, we've talked about on this show, Chris, I know you brought up specifically, um, was... In the last two years, we've seen uh, big organizations, we've seen, uh, you know, big, big positions kind of shift over to black folks, black women, brown folks or whatever the case is. So just with all that, um, which we think I think is very good. I also think that there are some places where some people are walking into something and they're not really set up to succeed as best as possible. I'm going to let you all just kind of uh, react to everything that you heard, Chris. I just wanted to start with you because I just remember us having a conversation around. Hey, we're finally starting to get people, our people in power. How do we kind of show up for them? Um, and, and A Black Hands has been one of those organizations, one of those places 
where we know everybody can't say what they need to say. Uh, so people like Chris and Ray, uh, Sharif, myself, you know, try to do our best to, to throw a little bit of, of those jabs. What you got to add about that, Chris? Just some all of that. Um, well, I think Jay just said like a lot that is really important to kind of recap on. The first is like showing up is very important, like for our parents. So don't forget the year that you just had parents uh, realize that we get the shorter than the stick a lot of times because we're not organized and we don't show up. And other groups of parents oftentimes do get organized and show up and ask and make demands of the system for things that are deeply inequitable and they get them sometimes, oftentimes. And it's because they show up and they're not there for us. So I'm just going to be real clear about this. Mm-hmm. Let's stop pretending like this isn't a game. Let's stop re- pretending like we're in a pro- post-racial society and your children are okay. They're not. <laughs> the system's not okay. And the system forgets about you. And especially in some of these cities like LA and other places where they have very big school districts, big unions and, and, and big, uh, just big education cartels and dwindling numbers of black folk, dwindling numbers of black power, uh, amount of black power. So the only power you have is collectively showing up as parents, educated, doing for your kids as if somebody's trying to steal something for your baby. So I just like uh, show up. There's another part, though. Pay up. Mm. We can't be out here letting people take over organizations that look like us, that are for us and not supporting them. Mm. As somebody who has taken over more than one organization from a white founder following in their wake to do new work. I can tell you that a reality of the nonprofit industrial complex is we have a little bit of work to do once we follow somebody else. I'm just not going to go any further than that. I'm just going to say, <laughs> let's let's just go ahead and support people uh, when they take over these roles. We have, I think, an unparalleled number of people of color in the last year coming to the front to lead. But are they going to be doing it with your support and with resources? There's a reason. There's a donate button mm-hmm. on that website. And it ain't nothing like $5, $10, $50, $100. Two hundred dollars, which you whatever you got. Let's let's you know it's like gumbo. You got the you, you you got the the sausage, and I got the shrimp. Whatever, everybody can be a philanthropist. So don't sit around and and, and show up, pay up. Those are the only things that that I can add to to what I just heard because it's very important, especially right now, uh, as other parents are collecting and getting laws changed that are not in our interest. Yeah, nah, man. I, I think you just said a mouthful. Uh, I'm glad we start with you, uh, Sharif. We're gonna go to you next, and and Ray, you're on deck. Um, but Reef, what what do you have to add just about everything that that was said? Ways that we can support, yeah. and also just in your own activism work around making sure our our communities get what they need. Uh, what's your two cents on this, good brother? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a whole lot of great stuff was said. You know, uh, congratulations to your son Jay. You know, this uh, this transition. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's huge. Um, you know, obviously a big milestone. And I think you know, and congratulations to you being in this role. I, I think you know that that part that uh, you talked about, and Chris uh, dove deeper into it about you know being in this position, um, and you know, not only like leading it, but being able to bring your lived experience to it, right? And because that's one of the things that I, I think when uh, black 
EDs or CEOs or whatever, when they're bringing it to their work, it's often things that touch close to home. Yeah. You know, um, some folks that have these roles and they're like, it's so, they're so far removed from the reality or what can go wrong. Like, but we, if you're serving parents, like, you know, intimately what can go wrong if, if parents don't have, you know, that access. And the other piece I would, I would add is, you know, when Chris talks about that power, that parent power, that coming together, that unification, particularly when numbers are dwindling is absolutely crucial. And, and so I'm grateful for it to have organizations like yours to be able to support parents, uh, elevate their voices and, you know, pull the curtain back and share with them. Yeah, here's what's going on, because it's like people want to return to the normal. And we know the normal was absolutely abnormal for so many black children. It is mm-hmm. not what what, uh, you know, other folks who have have affluence and influence how they envision their child's education. Um, but we got people running, racing, like they uh Shakari or somebody, you know, to get back to the exact same thing um, that that uh, was a lot of our children found oppressive, right? And so I, I don't know, the one question and, and you know, later on you could, you could uh, chime in, like the trigger laws was, you know, that was seemed like a big thing and then I haven't heard anything about it. Is that still a thing or is that kind of like died out or is that still a lever that folks can use, particularly in this context? If it's, if it's a school to say like, yeah, we just want to go back and underserve your child and and underperform as, as adults getting paid and all that kind of stuff. Are there avenues or levers for, you know, for families, you know, um, in addition to finding other spaces, which some folks don't have, you know? Yeah, do, do you want me to answer that, Charles? Or Yeah. <laughs> 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 we do it later, so I, like, I can come back to it. No, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> Interesting thing about legislation is that, you know, some of it does have a sunset and some of it can be grandfathered. In the case of the parent trigger law, the legislation changed with how they worded, um, you know, being able, the academic performance index. So like a lot of it, it's still there, but they they redid the system to basically where people can work around it. So it's not as powerful as it once was. Um, what is powerful though is choice and that's still very relevant. And so what we're doing now in you know, Parent Revolution 2021 and moving forward is we have a program called Choice for LA where we specifically sit down with parents and one-on-one we walk through with them every possible choice of school option you have within your neighborhood and your community, whether it be you know, magnet, charter, parochial, Montessori, we walk them through it. And um, and that's been powerful because again, it's it's not only that, but it's also showing them because so many parents don't realize they have that as an option. So that's how we've now reinterpreted the parent trigger law in, in Los Angeles specifically, is just by making it still relevant to them to know that like, you don't have to just accept the school down the street. You do have options. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's a form of protest, right? Like, you know, you can march, or you can march, you know, I'm marching my child right down to the next school, right? Like that's that's my new marching. So thank you. Appreciate it. And it's the only form of protest that some of these parents have. I mean, the reality of it is, is that um, the reason why school districts are able to do what they do is because they have the power to do so. You know, like if you do not have the option to go to another school, if you cannot afford to send your child to a private school, you have to accept what you have. And that is a that's that is a really hard pill to swallow. And so all you have as a parent 
is the, the power to protest, which is one of the reasons why I'm trying to transcend the way we look at parents and how parents show up in this space. Because as we're seeing with what's happened with um, police reform, you know, protest is powerful when it's put in the, in the same context, right? And just like we've seen with police reform and how we argue about these police officers killing our babies in these streets, Yo, some of these schools are killing the minds of our babies, you know, in, in our communities. And we need to be protesting just as hard and just as fervently about what's happening in the schools down your street um, when you don't have any other option. And and more so now than ever, because, like I said, it's like, you know, to accept crumbs as your only option is horrible. It's a horrible feeling. And, you know, unfortunately, unions have been able to make a monopoly on this and, and put teachers and parents against each other for the sake of, of politics and, and adulthood stuff. You know, all the things that we went through through 2020 happened because they were adult issues. How are we going to pay these teachers? How are we going to make sure that they are protected? Meanwhile, we have babies that were that did not learn their fundamentals. One of my babies is still struggling right now with regrouping. Um, and thankfully, I had the privilege to be able to, you know, give her extra tutoring on the side and you know, uh, pay for ABC learning and all these other apps to put on her phone and things like that. So she can have that quote unquote distance learning when she wasn't on her time with her teacher. And, and she went to a fairly good school. Um, but I'm nervous about being in the Los Angeles school district now because I realize that these teachers have been protected by people who really don't have the best interests of our students and specifically black and brown families in, 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 at, at heart. It's not about us. It's really not about us. It's about. I think, I think that's, I, no, I think that's a good point right there and put a pin right there. Cause I want to bring Ray into this. And the reason why I saved Ray for last on comment on this piece, Ray, uh, one, I definitely want you to comment on the, the initial parts that we all have been just around Jay's new role and what they're doing. But you as a, as a, as a superintendent, you know, I also want to hear from you, what do what do you as a superintendent need from organizations like Parent Revolution so you can do your job better uh, so you can advocate for the people in your in your schools a lot better than than, you know, I, I know it's really difficult. And I think that since we got a superintendent here, um, I want to make sure you have the floor to help us understand that. Yes, sir. So first and foremost, Jay, shout out to you. Congrats on this new position. Congrats on your son graduating from high school. I know that feeling. It's an amazing feeling. Um and so shout out to you for that. Uh, secondly, man, uh, Charles, big ups to you, bro, because um, you bringing her on the show to highlight her work. Right. I think that that's huge because, you know, it shows that we send the elevator back down and shout out to the folks out there that are sending the elevator back down for folks. Uh, I got my list, but I'll save it for closing thoughts. <laughs> um, <laughs> Parent engagement, man. So, so when we're thinking about parent engagement, I say this all the time and it's in my dissertation. Uh, we look at parent engagement through the lens of the white middle class. And that's where we go wrong, right? It's like we have all... We, so first of all, we, have, we need to diversify our lens in terms of how we look at parent engagement because it's not just white people that show up to schools. Secondly, um, you know, if a parent can't make it to an after-school program or whatever curriculum night thing that you're doing, that does not mean that the parent doesn't love their kid. That means that the parent probably has another job because they have to do things on the side because they're one career they're being underpaid in and they got to put food on the table, right? And so as long as we keep looking at parent engagement through the lens of, well, this white parent shows up all the time, but the black parent doesn't show up all the time, right? 
then we're always going to have this deficit lens in terms of how we look at black parents. Mm -hmm. So shout out to you for that work that you're doing in terms of uh, bringing the focus and the highlight on black parents and and black and brown parents and and the things that they can do in order to be seen. Right. Because a lot of folks just want to be seen. Um, Speaking about that parent trigger law, I think. That shit be in every school. Oh damn, I cursed. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Because I know, I know, we got one listener who's gonna tune out as soon as she hear curse. <laughs> okay. I want to make sure. That oh, yeah, I'm not cursing this week, just so y'all know. Yeah, I want to back up. Yes. Yeah, I want to make sure we got we got in trouble last week. Y'all forget this. I didn't get anything. I will be the villain, but continue. You be the villain on the Sabbath, bro. You go ahead with that. So the parent, I feel like we should have a parent trigger law in every school. Right. Because if you have a parent trigger law in every school, it forces you to out listen to parents. There's no more of this adversarial relationship between schools and parents. Right. It's no longer, uh, you know, I got my degree. You need to get yours. Nah, we could change things without a degree. Right. We can change things without, you know, you looking down on us like like we're beneath you. Right. We're even now because now. yeah, And then I, I think in terms of schools, Charles, and, and thank you for asking me this question. I don't think we uh, we think critically enough about if parents revolutionized, <laughs> if parents said, you know what? It's uh, it's count day. We're not sending our kids to school or, you know, we just not we, we're going to homeschool. We're going to do every uh, we're going to exercise school choice. We're going to do all these other things to bring your numbers down to now. You can't make your budget. Now you got to lay off people. Now you got to do all these things. And now you need to listen to us because we're telling you. It's so much stuff I got, man. You know what? And and before we go about the J, listen, uh, J, uh, this has been great. I love this black celebration, but uh, something that often happens in our culture is celebrations are short lived and we got to get back to this damn work. So you are coming on a job uh, at a very important job at a very important time in history. Stuff that would be studied for decades and decades after this around how we handled it. Uh, What do Parents are about to put their kids back in school in the fall. <laughs> what is it that they need to know? How are you helping them to navigate this? And then we'll have the fellas dive in on, on, on what you, how you respond. Yeah. So I think that Ray was actually hitting on it. Like really understand where your power lies because too often we look at parents as being kind of this docile member of this whole conversation about education. And we don't really understand that if if I, as a parent, decide that I do not want to send my child to school anymore, um, there is some ADA funding that you will not receive because that child is not showing up. Um, and so I think it is really powerful for parents to understand that they do have power in this case to make sure that they if they do not accept the way schools look, if they are not being able to be chauffeured through these schools, the way some of our you know, other families who attend private schools or attend affluent schools are being shown what a classroom is going to look like in the fall, if they don't know the clear school plan of how their child is going to be taught and how they're going to be um, social distance from other kids or if they're going to be social distance from other kids. If they don't know any of those things, I, you know, I'm being revolutionary. Do not send your child back because your your power rests in making sure that you are, in for, are the first one to know the safety and security of your child going to that classroom. Um, it's also important to understand the school funding structure and understanding specifically with this uh, the federal funding that's coming down. You know, uh, I mentioned it before. You know, Los Angeles Unified School District has $20 billion. 
$20 billion to give back into this recovery plan based off the fact that there was that we all know learning loss occurred. Um, and so you need to understand that there are districts that are getting money specifically on the backs of knowing that they have to present some type of recovery plan that's going to be put in place for you and your family. And what we're telling our families in Los Angeles is that there's two things you should be looking for. You should be looking for more tutoring time and you should be looking for more one-on-one and small groups because those things we have seen are successful in helping people get over the learning loss that occurred. And when you've got 20 billion, billion, I keep saying million, it's not $20 billion in your budget. um, There's no reason why you can't make that a reality. You know, all of so I think the parents need to be aware of that and need to be aware of what's happening and uh, be able to challenge the school boards. Our parents go to school board hearings every week. Every time they have a school board hearing, our parents are there. Our parents are meeting every week to figure out and determine how the school budget is being um, being. divided and what the different services are going to. And they're challenging it every round. And so you've got to be active um, and do a financial audit uh, on your school district and know where the money is going. Well, man, so hey, Sharif, hey, hey, go, ahead, go ahead. We had somebody on the show. Uh, we had a school board person that was running that one from LA uh, USD. Oh, yeah. Remember that? I do. I do not remember the name, so please don't ask me. I don't. It was a lady. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I want to jump on your point, though, because $24 billion is a lot of money. That's a lot of bread, fam. You just said $24 billion. Billion. Twenty yeah. billion. Yeah, yeah. twenty-four. I just looked it up. It's twenty-four, 24 billion. billion. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Close you, you left out four billion dollars. Yeah, <laughs> which, by the way, is like four other big districts' budget. Right. <laughs> the, the change that you just left on the floor is like some other big districts' entire budget. So twenty-four billion dollars, and this is like when I heard you earlier talk about power. We talk about parents or whatnot. Let's just be real. The only thing that school districts care about is their money. Kids better have my money. That's all they care about. Right. That's all they care about. Seriously. So twenty four billion dollars. You don't get anybody's attention unless something affects their money. That's the only thing that matters is a capitalist society and uh, and their pensions. I just want people listening, though, to know how little bit of that twenty four billion dollars actually gets to a child. You need to know this. Like when I just heard you say. The parents need to understand the budget and do the forensics or whatnot. This is why I think there's so, it's so great that groups like yours exist. Because if you can do nothing else as a former school board member, if you could do nothing else, please, for the love of God, teach uh, the public how much their children are worth to the system in actual dollars, yeah. in real money. So they'll know where the real power is at. Because very little of that money is making it to the kids. But every time you think about moving a kid or let's parent trigger, uh, school choice, charter schools, vouchers, all of those are just about who gets the money. That's why they care so much. They don't think that your kid's going to get worse or, or better education somewhere else. They just think that their per pupil is going to go somewhere else. And again, the number one law of every school district Kids better have my money. <laughs> That's the number one law of their gangster asses. Go ahead, Ray. I'll see you. I, I, see, I see you chomping, Ray. Get it. Hey, because he, he just said something about a capitalistic society. Well, so, you know, I, I try not, I, this is not a teacher bashing show, right? But oh, here's what I will say. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> with all due respect, she, she talked about tutoring time, right? So when we think about tutoring time, we think about tutors, we think about teachers. If a teacher has your kid for eight hours out of the day and your kid is not learning anything, please find another person to tutor your kid. Because if I have your baby for eight hours, I'm responsible for that learning. For you now to have to pay me an additional amount of money in order for me to get your kid to reading uh, to, to, to reading at grade level, then I'm cheating you. I'm cheating the system. I'm cheating every student that's in my class, right? And it's all because of this thing, this capitalistic society thing that we have going on. Like it is a lucrative business for teachers to have their tutoring sessions after school charging $65, $70 an hour in addition to what they made during the day. And so my theory is that you'll have some people that just generally will not do their job so they can have more cadres of tutoring students. And that's a damn shame. Just putting it out there, giving y'all tricks of the trade. I mean, but that's what we're doing. I think the show is a really practical one. And I know we might not get as many people live today because of the holiday, but I know folks is going to get this on the on the uh, the rewatch. Make sure you are liking, sharing and commenting. Make sure that you are having your thoughts. And for the folks that are keeping score at home uh, and, and I'm coming to you, Sharif, uh, here are the three things that I wrote down that Jay said that were very practical. One, you need to understand what ADA is and how it works. You need to understand what that apparatus is and where schools get money based solely off the presence of your child's body in that building. All right. That's just one that that's, that's really important too. understand your school's plan for reentry. Uh, good schools should be communicating with you, over communicating with you at this point. Right. About what's going to happen, what you know, what you need to know, all that good stuff. And then finally, what I heard was two things. And Ray just hit on it again. Look for more tutoring time and then look for one to one school time to make up for the time that was lost. See, there's a lot of people that's talking. Well, learn. We're not going to say learning. So we, it's a lot of folks that's playing these games around semantics and names and they argue with you about that for 40 minutes so they don't have to talk about the actual thing that you talk that you bringing up is yeah we coming out of this thing and my kid is further behind than when they started Sharif you just heard all of this stuff as we prepare families to go back to school in the fall very practical ways what are some of your thoughts and ideas about either what was said or what you like to add well, first of all, I want to say, look, parents, just because your child is struggling during the day does not mean they should not get tutoring. Um, it could be, you know, from their teacher. It, they, you, some of these teachers have classrooms full of 40 kids and they, their teacher may I say, you know what? Classroom during 40 kids. I've never seen no classroom with 40 kids. Yeah. Listen, if you, have, you need to live longer. Keep if living. You, if you living. have a Namde Sasa. Then, yeah. No, don't, don't bring up Nathan Masaka, bro. Don't bring up Nathan Masaka. Especially don't mispronounce it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, don't, don't, listen, Nathan Masaka is a whole nother planet compared to what you just described, all right? So that, that's what. Um, don't even fix your mouth to say, no. Look, <laughs> what, I, what I would say is, you know, and then this is for suggestion, particularly, like, you know, Jay laid out some really important pieces. I, I do think as much information as possible for families to, to be aware of, like what's going on, what's the context. And I would also, and I agree with uh, Charles, there's a lot of semantics of like, you know, what ch children got, what they didn't. My push is like, yes, uh, the, the idea of accelerating students learning, um, not just remediation, because some of them, they're going to come back to school and, and they're going to want to shut down instruction. They're not going to expose them, these kids to anything close to grade level. They're like, oh, we're going to remediate you, but we're going to remediate you to, you know, 
to even a further uh, falling further behind. So be really wary about that. Also, come to school like when it, when it's fall comes, come also sharing what your child learned. Over there. And they could have learned a variety of things. They could have been working with an uncle. They could have done certain things at home. Bring that to the table so people aren't just thinking like, oh, they, they're absolutely, you know, just full deficit. We know how people's thinking uh, tends to be around our children, about our children. And so bring like, hey, here's what they here's what they did do. Here's what I need from you all. Here are my goals and aspirations. It's rare that they're going to ask you, what are your goals for your child? Often schools are just going to tell you, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're um, going to bring. This is the day that we're going to do X, Y, Z. Please bring what your goals and aspirations for your child is and let them know this is what I'll be looking for from quarter to quarter, semester to semester, or from year um, year to year. I love this idea of being transparent about these Biden bucks too. Like, yeah, if they 24 billion, yes. They should be aware of and help help inform like what's going on. Philly is the same thing, like tons and tons of money. Uh, and I'm, I'm nervous that people are going to, as, as Chris said, so much of it, you know, when you get to that, uh, that Reaganomics in, in schools and districts, like, oh, it'll trickle down. It, it's going to be less than a trickle. <laughs> it's going to be a, like a, a periodic drop if we're not, um, you know, really careful and demanding the things that work. Right. Like, don't don't be experimenting with all that money, and not have any sense as far as like what actually works and using it. So and Jay, you looking like you want to jump back in there. You you, you just j- jump on in with these boys. It's all good. Go I, ahead. I'm like, wait, wait, I want to say no. This, I, this I, double dutch. This, you know, yeah, go, ahead. Just, just <laughs> go, go ahead. I'm, co- I'm coming to you. I'm coming to Ray after. Go ahead. I'm, I'm just so passionate about this because I really want to debunk the narrative that parents are powerless and just really challenge families to understand that this is real. Like what we're talking about, everything that's been laid out here, the fact that they got a dollar sign on your child's back is so real. And at the same time, there is a level of accountability that you also have to make sure that you're aware of it. Um, you know, we're just sitting here talking about this tutoring time thing. Um, and y'all, y'all hear, I hope y'all don't hear these crazy fireworks. It's, it's, our, it's the fourth. It's fine. It's Keep just going. Like, it's really loud all of a sudden. I'm up. We're ready to duck in a minute. Yeah, that but, sounds like a different type of firework. But yeah, but, um, you know, the, the thing that I keep bringing back to is just how this money is being spent, right? So in LAUSD specifically, they put out a budget and now they're talking about um, what the recovery plan could look like. They've got a clear sense of how the money is going to be spent for more teachers, more psychologists, more social workers, which is great. There's a very clear plan. I think it's like 400 million or somewhere around there. But then when we talk about the tutoring time and when we talk about the individual learning, it's like a third of a third of the percentage. It's like they've got 50, 50 million set aside for tutoring. And another thing that they try to do is like through, through semantics that you try to gaslight you, right? Because they've really been for the past three or four years now, really been promoting this idea of, of class size reduction, which we know class size reduction is powerful and we need it. At the same time, class size reduction does not equate individual learning. But that's the way that they are using these terms so they can be able to use that funding for recovery dollars. And so like as parents, you got to be smart and, and, and be able to really ask the questions like, what does this mean to reduce our class size by two, but still not be able to provide individual learning to our to our to our kids? Um, but it's just it's really criminal the way that things are, are being laid out and um you know, I, I'm never one. I don't want to come off as anti-teacher. Obviously, I think teachers are fantastic. 
this really isn't even about a teacher thing. You know, it is it's really about power dynamics and who's got the power to make these decisions. And so I just think that we've got to continue to challenge that, those systems. Mm. <laughs> Jay, Jay, Jay is like <laughs> she over there jumping. It's gonna be all right. She's like she's But I like what Jay said. I'm, I'm throwing it to I'm throwing it to you, Ray. With you coming on the back end uh, afterwards, Chris, because I, I got a question for you. But Ray, um, I think you had touched on a, a, just a lot of what Jay was just saying just now. Did you have anything you want to add or amplify or just you know go wherever you need to go, brother? You got this. Yeah, so uh, thank you for that, sir. Uh, first of all, uh, <laughs> You're very welcome, kind gentleman. Shame, shame on you folks that are outside celebrating 1776. Yeah, yeah, shame on y'all. So when y'all come back, y'all listen to this tomorrow. I know Raymond was taking shots at you. For oh, let them people have a day, oh, man. Oh. Hey, listen, the, the, the same people that y'all out here, the, the same theories and mindsets that y'all are out here celebrating today, tomorrow they're going to be out to get y'all. So. Just so y'all know, y'all brainwashed, and that's my Jesus, Ray. What do <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious, bro? Like I, I intentionally made made a space for me to be here tonight. Uh, one to to support Jay, and two uh, to kind of stick it to the man, yo. Uh, we got we gotta stick it to the man. That's where I'm at. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it uh, is, is that the co- that's the comment? Okay, cool. I just wanna- <laughs> So I love Ray. I swear to God, Chris, I'm coming to you. And I think what Jay is talking about, when I talk about agency, like there's like a framework and I actually think we're doing it right. It's three things. It's awareness, navigation and duty. The first thing is, and we talked about this in the beginning, you got to educate yourself. You got to know, you got to make yourself aware of these things. So it was, hey, learn how this works. Learn about that. This next phase of navigation. And Chris, I wanted to have you at this part because you everybody here is an activist, but this is what you do. You are an activist. You are helping other parents become activists and you are somebody who was not a part of the education system that then became an education advocate. So what are some navigation just comments and tools? What should people be doing as they reenter school in the fall from your perspective? I mean, double checking everything that has to do with your child constantly from this point forward. Is, is a little bit more of a high priority than it's ever been. Like you used to be able to somewhat just put your child in the school and go about your business. And that was never a good plan to just kind of go on autopilot, but you could do it uh, to a different effect than you can do it now. But like that, that's old school stuff. Like, like the ability to just not watch, and know, you know, uh, no week to week and month to month, like to monitor and to ask some like very serious questions about like one thing that I'm really worried about is we don't know where everybody is starting out, what their starting point is going to be when our kids get back to school. And we don't know that the districts have enough resources involved in quickly assessing and triaging and figuring out where the gaps are really are, are, are going to be. They got competence with data, competence with understanding how you triage large groups of people after a major pandemic and figure out where everybody is. And one by one, parents are going to have to be making sure I feel I really feel for parents that have multiple kids because that's kind of my situation. And thinking about other families, it's enough if you have one to have a full time job, 
pay attention, monitor, ask deep questions about where your child is. If there's any type of assessing that you can get done to have a baseline and know where you are, make sure that that's what you're doing. Put pressure, <coughs> excuse me, not just for your your own kids, but for all kids, you know, and, and show up. Uh, Charles, you mentioned three things, though, involved with agency. I like for mm-hmm. parents, I have like like more than three. Oh, You've keep going, brother. I'm writing them down. Yeah, well, on this show, you've heard me say this before. I want parents to, to understand, first of all, their role, because we've been lied to about what our role in the education process is. And I think we need to just understand your role is the closest thing to God with your child when it comes to their educational life. Don't let anybody like downgrade your role to being a helper or a, or a bystander or some person on the side. Just don't let that happen. Your role By law, it gets me to a second thing is your responsibility. By law, you're responsible for the educational outcomes of your child. It's written right in state law. You actually could go to jail for educational neglect if you're not doing the things you're supposed to do. We don't talk about this much, but by law, we're supposed to be the ultimate supreme last word on our kids because by law, we could go to jail if we're not doing what we're supposed to do in terms of education for our kids. It's called educational neglect, and you can literally go to jail for it. So you know your role. You have to know what your responsibilities are, and then you have to know your rights. That's your third R, is your rights. And your rights are being infringed on a pretty regular basis when you don't know it. If you got a child in special ed, you have a child with an IEP, you have a child that's supposed to be getting gifted services, you have a child that actually is, is supposed to, to um, um, get accelerated work, and they're actually getting the, the dumbed down work or whatnot. You have a right to a full-ass education that you're not getting. And the thing about more well-off parents is, They know every one of their rights. They know every single one of them. And they are like viciously fighting to make sure that they get every single one for Hayden and Caden and Raiden and Aiden, all their little babies. They get in every little service they supposed to get because they know their role. They know their responsibility. They know their rights and they want some results. So that's what I need parents thinking about. I love that. If uh, fellas and Jay, uh, do you all have anything that you want to chime in on that? As we let it, I mean, you know, we're in this final segment and we're talking about the navigation. And I think Chris laid out some really good stuff. And I mean, from you all, since we're at the end, what's just the first thing? You know, the long journey starts with a step. What's the first thing that parents should just do? to get ready for this year uh, in, in, in this piece. And Jay, let's just start ooh, with ooh, you. Let me do this before you do, before oh. you go on to that. Let me go just, ahead. I got to, I got to go on this. Just call your union president, say the hell with you and hang up. That's it. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the first step. You said something small. You said something small. That's small. You could totally do that. Just, just call them up. Just pick up the phone and say that and then hang up real quick. That's a different type uh, of phone bank. Then. <laughs> yeah, that's a phone bank. That's a different type of... Because what they did in L.A. is criminal. Somebody needs to be calling them uh, yeah. uh, with their um, with their nasty asses. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, we, we actually... So it's, it's funny that you talk about knowing your rights because we have some parents right now that are still in a very relevant legal fight um, with LAUSD um, where we have ta- we're taking them to court on the fact that there have that's been substantial learning loss. Um, um, you, I think you guys had mentioned it before with my predecessor. Um, you talked with him about it, but this is still a very relevant issue for us. Um, the two main points are more learning time and tutoring in the one-on-one tutoring time, which at this point with $24 billion, how can you not put money towards that? And so you're right in the sense of like understanding your rights. And the reality is if, if I can go to jail for not making sure my child is educated, then why can't you go to jail for not mm. making sure you're educated? 
right? Ooh, damn. Now you're talking my language. Okay, let's talk about some different laws here now. Okay. Exactly. Right. exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I, at Parent Revolution, we look for the parents to turn up and turn out, right? It's not just about trying to be compliant and be nice. It's, it's really about flipping over tables that you weren't invited to. We are revolutionizing how we're looking at how parents show up in this space. We're not asking for you to create spaces for us. We're creating them for ourselves. And I really like how you laid out the roles, the rights and the responsibilities, because we're very clear about what our role is with our babies. Right. Like you said, it's it's the first initial um, learning that a child has is love at home, being able to know that they can go out the store and they are just as brilliant as anybody else is. And so it's really important for parents to be able to take that power back. And here's the other thing about it, too. Um, you know, I cannot I'd be remiss if I don't talk about my political career that I once had and, and continue to do on the side, because the power lies in the fact that, the, you know, these school board folks, these junior reps, these are all positions of power that they've been getting because they were voted into them. And so just like we challenge all this stuff about voting rights, we should be challenging these school board systems and getting people to run for office. And um you know, the reality, I am in this role as an executive director, whether the, fun, the, the funds keep flowing or not, I'm going to keep doing this because I got two kids that I'm bringing through this system. And um, as a black woman, I just I refuse to continue to see our black and brown families not do well and feel powerless in systems that weren't designed for them in the first place. So um, I just there there is I have said it to you, Charles, like um, it is unacceptable for me to, to just think that business as usual is going to be OK. It is not OK. It will not be OK. And whether you got to do it legally by challenging and getting some pro bono work to come help you or, or you know, hiring some folks together, um, you know, if you got to do it by by counting out the term limits of these people and getting folks out in the, on the streets to canvas and vote for new people, you do have power in this system. You do not have to sit back and accept what has been given to you as the last and final say. And the last thing I'll say is like, you know, if you don't feel like you are your child or you are being respected, I would challenge that law. I would challenge the law about them saying that, you know, education neglect is happening because you're not allowing your child to go to a school where they're seen as less than, where, you know, they don't seem to be able to feel safe and feel protected, where, you know, white teachers don't understand how to teach things like critical race theory and don't want to teach it, right? So who's really neglecting our kids nowadays? Like that's a bigger, powerful conversation that we need to have. Gotcha. Well, no, I'm back. Uh, thank you for that. Um, so thank you for that, Jay. I think you just said a mouthful. Um, and, and what it sounds like I, I heard Jay was just saying is, look, we, you, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to kind of grab this by the, this bull by the horns. And we're not, we're not having a conversation about fair. We did, I just, cause people are going to be like, that's not fair. I, like I, it'd be killing me when I look on CNN or Fox and they talk about fairness. Like this ain't about fair. We talking about your kids, right? Like sometimes you got to do some stuff that's not fair. Um, for the rest of the fellas, uh, just add in, there are a lot of parents that don't know where to start that are afraid of this stuff. This is the boogeyman to them. Just give them one easy first thing they can do to start preparing for the fall. Um, Ray, let me go. Let me jump to you on this one, brother. Yeah, uh, I think Chris kind of hit it, man. Blind trust, like eliminate blind trust. Mm-hmm. Um, schools aren't the same way that they were when we were coming up. You know, when we were coming up, uh, teachers were called home. 
and they would say, hey, you know, so-and-so did this or whatever. And then immediately you'd be in trouble. No questions <laughs> asked. No questions asked. They'd be like, yo, the teacher said it, so you did it, right? Um, realize that, you know, it shouldn't have happened then and it damn sure shouldn't be happening now. So uh, listen to your kids. Your kids are the ones that you're raising the right way in order to go to schools to represent you. And uh, although, you know, when some kids walk out the door, they do present themselves in ways that are different. You know that child. You know how to get to the truth. Um, and so make sure that you're, you're uh, believing in your child and giving your child a say in, uh, in, in the things that are happening in the classroom. That's um, what's up. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 because I got more than one thing, man. I'm about to fire off, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. You you can you want to do it now? You want to do it in your final? You, I'll, go, I'll wait to find All right, cool. Sharif, you got one thing that parents can just start doing now? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, first, uh, I also want to say I totally agree with uh, Ray. I, I think Don't one agree of this, with me. Don't agree with me. Well, it's too late. You know, <laughs> um, too late. So in this, you know, I, I think it's particularly important if we've been raising our children to, uh, you know, stay in their place, um, that the someone who's who just happened to be born uh, before them is automatically right, all of that. And so if we've been raising them in that way, that means it's going to take some undoing, some practice to get them to be able to um, maybe share what they may not share. But I would say one of the first things to do is start practicing. Like, here's the pro. I'm not going to ask a how was school today? I'm going to probe and start that conversation now. Like, here's what I'm going to ask. And particularly after this year, where you probably got a little bit more insight about what your child's experience was with um, with folks. So continue that, you know, build on that. Like, and, you know, start processing what happened this past year. What are the expectations? What would they like to see different? What are the things that they remember when they were in person? And what would they want to want their experience to be this time around? Right. And so start those conversations now and then continue them. Um, and I, I think that piece is a, is a really important, um, you know, aspect. You know, the thing that I would add to that is get in the habit of asking for evidence. When people are saying like, oh, we're doing this, or that, even if the kid got an A, whatever it is, you know, ask like, talk, let's talk about the evidence. Like, how did this come to be? Right. They're getting the A's because they're quiet and they don't give you, you know, any back talk. And so you're just like, oh yeah, I'm going to reward you for your silence and your compliance. Or are they actually, you know, uh, taking some skills and developing them and becoming stronger, whatever subject uh, they're, they're working on, right? And so I, for me, the big part is having more and more and more conversations uh, with your children about school. Not just how it was, well, it was fine, and, and then move on to another subject. Nah, let, let's let's have a debrief. <laughs> you know, when something happened, when, when, you, when they get a hostage back, they have a de they debrief them, right? And so think about that every time your child transitions back, there's a debrief session. Um, so, man, uh, Chris, before I transition us to the to to, to to final thoughts, did you have anything you want to add just around uh, uh, a clear next step or first first step that parents can take to get prepared for the fall? <laughs> I mean, nothing much different than what I said before, except for I just think it's really important to get a baseline for where your kid is at because the districts don't have one. Right. So whatever you can demand that they do, you know, ask them specifically just a very simple ask of your teacher, principal or district. What can you all offer me so that we can get an assessment of some sort or somehow know where we're starting from, like what our baseline is, because we do not know what kids, how far they either accelerated forward or fell behind mm -hmm. over this time. But I do know 
you guys mentioned it tonight. They're going to have money and they're supposed to be they're supposed to be responsive to parents who ask for services. That's the thing. We don't ask for a lot. A lot of times this is one simple thing to ask for a goddamn baseline to know what what, what you're starting with. Charles, can I push back on this? Because no, 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 Charles, not, not, take the camera not, off him. He don't get the push back on that. No, 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 no. Go do some yoga, Ray. Go do some yoga, bro. So first and foremost, you keep saying this 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 whole baseline thing, right? Like I, I would I would venture to say that every school in the inner city, hopefully, has some kind of progress monitoring that they have in place, i.e., uh, NWEA or iReady or something that has. Is, is able to tell them what grade level uh, or what levels their kids are, right? Um, the more progress monitoring you're doing, the better, because it, it gives parents, inform, it informs parents on where their kids are in terms of what things that they need to do in order to supplement during the summer, during off times, in order to get their babies where they need for them to be. I think the problem is, is that um, it's not enough of these conversations that are being had uh, to Chris's point, uh, in terms of like parents knowing what the exact ask is, right? Mm. And so I think that it centers around uh, parents knowing what questions to be able to ask, not that the schools don't have the data. The schools have the data, it's probably bad. The data's probably bad, but they have it. So I just want to uh, 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 now I'm going to push back on this point. Because, see, you know, Yoga Man is going to jump in here and push back on my point. So I'm going to push back on your <laughs> point. All right. This is what I got to say to Yoga Man. <laughs> and Jay, Jay, I promise we're going to get back to you. I swear. We're going to come back to you, Jay. We're going to come back to you. Maybe, Jay, I've seen this go totally left. So we'll see. Listen, <laughs> I'm just going to take my 50 seconds of, of beige privilege right now and just say this uh, districts do different things. Facts. All the districts are doing very different things. Uh-huh. In my district, for instance, it would be very hard for me to believe that they have any single way of understanding where all the kids are because it was so shoddy this year. Only a certain number took the standardized test. First first of all, let's just start that because it was pandemic and not everybody wanted to show up. They gave like 18 other random type of things throughout the year because they were trying out different products, (laughs) right? So I don't know how they're going to get one single thing across all kinds of different kids because all our kids were doing different things throughout the years. Some were in class, some weren't, some were doing hybrid. Most didn't show up for the testing, the standardized testing that was supposed to be done. Um, So it was all, it's all over the map, right? And I don't know what it is. I I just want to say clearly, wherever you are, it might be a little bit different. So just make sure you try and get a baseline for where your kids are because districts are doing wildly different things. And Very just for people that were listening, I just want to referee real quick. Chris and Ray actually didn't say this different things. Parents ask questions. Where is my kid right now? How much work do we have to do? Well, we so, said one, one thing real different. <laughs> let, me say, let me say one thing yes. real different. He said they have the data, and I don't think Well, they sometimes do. they do not have the data. I would say as somebody They're who works in the district, have, have you, 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 crazy data. That is, I would not, don't assume that they have anything. And also, no. whether they have it or not, explain it to me like a fifth grader myself. That's right. And if you can't, then we got an issue. It shouldn't be. It, the, the business of, of educating my child is not that technical. You know what I'm saying? Like it can be in places, but you should be able to talk to me about where my kid is and what needs to happen. I'm going to roll this into final thoughts. Y'all, I had. We can I, go I, over time. We can go. Hey, I've already bought a ticket to the man. 
I understand that. See, I had a plan. It was yeah, like, I, had, I, I was like, Ray you know was what? the man. I thought Republican Ray was the man. So I thought, you know, he's thinking it to his stuff. Like but the, Ray, Ray, you are absolutely man. right. We can go over, but I do want to go on the final thoughts. And um, Jade, Final thoughts is where we just kind of wrap up and, and where our final hit is. You are going to go last as our esteemed guest. Uh, I want to let Ray go first because Ray said he had a list of things that he wanted to go down. So people, I would, I, I would say, get your pen ready um, and, and, and take down these very practical things that Ray has. Go ahead, brother. I don't know about that. But um, So first and foremost, I want to shout out Harlem Link Charter School for sending me some gear. I also want to shout out Boys Latin in Philly for not sending mm. me here. Don't be coming at us. Don't, like, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. I've been waiting for this gear for two months. First of all, you, you, you told us last year you weren't buying any clothes. You were just going to ask people to send you stuff. Cut it out, right? Like, <laughs> in the comments. Been asking. Chris has been asking. Everybody's been asking for Boys Latin gear. Just want some Boys Latin gear. Um, speaking of sending the elevator back down, I just wanted to make sure that I, that, that I, um, I highlighted these people. A uh, future doctor, uh, Tanisha Williams. Shout out to you because you send the elevator back down. You're working with folks that are uh, that are doing critical race theory type things or whatever, and you're really uh, putting yourself on a map in terms of doing that. So shout out to you. Uh, shout out to future doctor Ayana Taylor over at NYU doing some kick butt work over there and, and our guy uh who'll be um podcasting uh wednesday night uh dr robert williams the third three times dope podcast shout out to you sir and the work that you're doing at american university um can, can you say the brother's name right did i know Simmons. Oh, I got a chapter, bro, named Robert Williams. That must be me, me prophesizing that Simmons needs to rescue. What had happened was, and and what I had meant to say, I sponsor you, Reef. <laughs> oh, that's what's up. That's what's up. See, I told you. He said on air, he recruited me. That's not a recruitment. <laughs> not a- oh my God, Chris, you are next, good brother. What is your final thought for the day? Uh, you know, first of all, Jay, thank you for coming on tonight. I think it's I think your role is so very important. Number one, I think is rightfully themed your organization called Parent Revolution, because the only thing that is going to save our children is an actual parent revolution and the right parents showing up. The, char- the, the parents who have kids that have been redlined into educational zones that don't give them all that they need. The parents of kids whose society has very low expectations for actually ever succeeding. The parents of kids that could possibly have the cure for cancer or the next major kind of advancement of humanity in them, but it'll never be found or never mind because we have entire systems set up for adults, for middle class adults who don't look like our kids to actually reap the benefits of the system. And it's really their system. So... The only thing that I can say that would change all that is parents, one, discovering their power, discovering their voice, showing up, acting up, collecting, having each other's back, forming into a unit and moving as a team that can't be beat up, that can't be stopped, that can't be criticized or insulted out of existence, that can't have their grant taken from them. That's what needs to happen if we really want our kids to win. We're in a very racist war. We're in a very racist country in a very racist war. None of the situations that we have in our schools are new. This idea that like we put 
millions of kids through a same common system and they come out with these wildly different outcomes out the other side. That's the function of the system. That's the system actually working. A real parent revolution, I think, is the only chance that our kids have. So do your part. Show up, speak up act up and donate some money when you see people like this who are really putting themselves out there and doing harm to their, their resume sometimes by being so out there for our kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharif. Yeah. You know what? I, I love how you talked about, uh, Chris, this idea of, of the future and, and the, the skills and the talent that they have, you know, I read an article a few years ago that talked about the amount of, uh, you know, plant and wildlife that's extinct before scientists can even, uh, you know, work on them. They're just getting destroyed. And they talked about so much of it has so much potential that the the cure for cancer may be in a plant that just got, you know, devastated or whatever is happening because of, you know, pollution and just people not caring about the earth and things like that. And I often think about that about our children, like how many of them are just so, you know, demoralized and pushed out and things like that. And they could have been the one to, um, you know, uh, solve some of the the issues that we have. Um, I I second Jay, thanks so much for for being here. And more importantly, the the work that you're doing, supporting families in a, in in particular, like, uh, you know, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, Philly, these are like, you know, and everywhere is hard, but in these, uh, you know, these super large, uh, District. Sometimes it seems some of the things are just intractable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree, like, you know, parents are the ones um, to help push it as, as well as their children. Right. You know, um, so the agency going across that, you know, that agentic behavior that, that Dr. Cole talks about so much and helping organize um, and support them is so important. And families, listen, there are folks who who do this stuff, like just research and talking about and sharing. It doesn't always trickle down to families, but just quickly, two things that the TNTP put out. Um, and we're talking about, particularly in this context of all this money um, across the across the country going to school, which is like fantastic, great, but money without any type of accountability and input from uh, those who are supposed to be served um, can, you know, be used to go astray. So one of those reports by TNTP was the Mirage. And it talked about how poorly districts were developing teachers. We already know many of them, most of them are coming to districts from college saying, I'm not prepared to teach black and brown kids. Then on top of that, the millions and billions that have spent to supposedly professionally develop them, and it's not going well. They're not getting outcomes. A lot of uh, educators are not improving. And then on top of that, they had the opportunity myth where Typically, students, particularly black students, poor students, brown students are getting taught by not only people who are not prepared to teach them, who are not being developed to teach them, but then they're also giving them uh, work that is grade levels behind what they're actually capable of doing. This is a cocktail of disaster that is actually happening. And it may be a better funded disaster if we don't really uh, challenge this in, in, a, in a much, much different way. So shout out to the families, the parents and organizations that support parents um, to, to push and challenge everybody to do better by um, our children and youth. All right. Uh, and Jay, your final thoughts. 
Thank you so much. And thanks so much for having me on the show. It's been really great to just chat with you guys and talk about something that I am truly very, very passionate about. Um, I think that what was said was said best by all of you in the sense of the roles, the responsibilities, um, understanding the system, being able to challenge the system. I think the most the best thing that I can summarize this up to is just um, something that uh, Brother Dave Hardy and I talk about all the time. And it's the self-determination of our folks to make sure that we uh, demand better. We want better for our families and our communities and really staying tight as a community. Um, I feel really honored and also um, blessed to be working in a situation now where I can bring all of myself and all of my heart to a role. But I will tell you just outright honest that uh, I can't do this alone. And this is something that is going to take a community for us to, to, to collectively come together. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to be on this show with you all. Um, for our parents, self-determination is key. Understanding the roles and responsibilities you have for showing up um, for your child every day. Understanding that um, when it's all said and done, when there's nobody else there, you will always be there for them. And take that role and that responsibility very seriously. And don't have anyone make you think anything different. Um, we do have power. The power rests in the fact that you birthed that child, that you have raised that child and that child is and you're responsible for that child um, and, or children. And so let's make sure that we take back the self-care and self-determination for our families and our students and our children. And we just do, you know, we just hold people accountable. That's what it's about. Parent power all the way. Parent power. Damn. I love what you say. Thank you. Well, and Jay, I want to thank you so much for being here. Uh, we are so proud of you. Um, I'm very, very happy that you have this role. And just know that you have four brothers on this podcast uh, that will look out for you, that will be supportive of you, and that will have your back if any of these people start yerp, chirping and having things to say. You want ours. Thank people you. that's listening, she's one of ours. That's right. And, and, and it's just and something going to be hands. And it's just not with this one. Not, not with this one right here. Uh, that Jay, Jay, and Jay is just as protective over me. And I've seen it happen before. So I just want to appreciate you. The last thing I would say, just in my final thought, is for parents, I know it's a lot. It's a lot of things happening. Let's, let's break it down. Let's just break it down and make it a little bit simpler. Awareness, navigation, and duty. Tonight, between between now and the next show, just take 30 minutes, look up ADA and look up what are my rights as a parent in schools or what are my rights as a student for the students that's listening and just spend 30 minutes on it. Jot down some things. What's something new that you learned? And then you ha also have a duty like it's not enough to just do. You know, we don't have the ability to just do the bare minimum. You have a duty to, to support other parents when they are having their own choice. You have a duty to be honest about your navigation and your journey. You have a duty to share information and pick up your fellow mom or dad that's next to you when they can't do certain things. And you also have a duty to do what Chris just said. Do not give away your position and your lot in your child's life. It is something that was ordained to you by God that nobody can take away. Don't give that power away. Um, I just want to thank you all for being here. I know it's the holiday for folks. I know people are going to get this on the rewatch. Uh, we are truly blessed to be able to do what we do, and we will see you all here next week. Uh, same bad time, same bad station. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecki, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. 
Thank you for listening. 